this is the last epistle that we're going to hit uh, in the gospel, or sorry, in, with John. This is third John. If you don't know where John is, you know, go to the back of your Bible. Revel- there's Revelation, Jude, and then third John, if you're going backwards, you know, to your left in your Bible. Um, because it's a smaller letter. Sometimes it's harder to find. And so that's where we're going to be. We're going to uh, learn uh, this morning about walking or walking the truth. And so, Tim, if you would uh, play that for us this morning. The third epistle of John. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We, therefore, ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, But Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words. And not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee, but I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee, our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, that you would fill me with your spirit as, as we learn more and more about you. God, may the seed of your word find fertile soil upon our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Like I said, we're in 3 John. Uh, we've been, we went Gospel of John, and then we went on to you know 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and uh, uh, all three of his epistles or letters. And so, uh, this is the last one. Next week, we're going to actually start uh, a series uh, called Essentials, and we're going to be talking about those things in the faith that we need to realize that are non-negotiables. Uh, those are things that, you know, there's some things, you know, obviously you can kind of debate a little bit back and forth, but there are certain things that are like, uh, you know, that are non-negotiables. They are essential, you know, to the uh, Christian faith. And so that's what we're going to, uh, that's what we'll be doing uh, next week as we go. But last week, we saw that in Second John that the Apostle John was repeating uh, over and over again the emphasis on truth. He, he talked about truth constantly. He even did it in First John. He was, his utmost importance for him is truth. He even does it in the Gospel of John, talking about truth. Why? Because in the Gospel of John is that you may believe. The same thing in First John, the same thing in Second John, the same thing in Third John. John has the theme of he wants you to know the truth or like the essentials, those things that are without negotiation. You don't sit there and, and, and negotiate in those things. He is promoting, but also in Second John, we saw the fact that he was promoting separation from those who followed not the doctrine of Christ. So he was saying, you know what? If somebody doesn't follow basic you know, doctrine as far as who Jesus is and his nature, he says, 
to separate from them. He says, don't allow them in your house. Don't, you know, uh, say God bless you to them. Don't nothing, you know, along those lines. He said, he's saying, if you do that, you are a partaker of their evil deeds. That basically what you're doing is that you're, you're basically giving them, a, you know, a blessing or somebody even sees you inviting them into your house or you're talking with them or you're kind of like saying, oh, okay, well, I don't really agree with them, but I'm going to promote them. Basically, you are partaking in what they're doing. You're basically giving them your stamp of approval by saying those things. He, say, he says, don't do that at all. And so we need to realize that just like it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4, that there are people out there, not just back in Bible times, but nowadays that are promoting something completely different. They're not promoting, you know, they may talk about Jesus. They may talk about, you know, uh, Christ. They may talk about all these things, but it's not the one that's in scripture. As I said, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4 says, For if he that comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which uh, you have not received, or another gospel, which ye, ha uh, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. And so he says that there's people out there preaching another Jesus, receiving another spirit, and another gospel. This is what confuses so many people out there nowadays as far as in, in churches is because you'll go to a church, they call themselves Christians, and they even, there's even some things that they'll agree with you upon, but it's another Jesus, it's another spirit, and it's another gospel. It's all three of those things, and he, he, this is what John is, is uh, going to be showing us in this letter, that we need to watch what we learn from other people, whether or not it's of the truth or of the devil. I mean, there's no black and white issue on this. There's some people, you know, that will say, well, you know, that's kind of, no, they're, you know, the doctrine of Christ is who is Jesus? All right. And what is his nature? Who is he to you? Uh, you know, not who is he to you, but who is he in the Bible? Because sometimes we have this idea of who Jesus is, and it's contrary to what God's word says. And so what, that's what we need to realize. And the reason why uh, Paul wrote that in Corinthians, and, and John's writing that now in his third letter is that there are far too many cults even back then and far too many cults out there now that are preaching another jesus another spirit and another gospel the mormons they talk about jesus all the time they'll come to your door and say oh and they'll sound like believers they'll come in there anything else but did you, uh, you know did you know that it's a little bit different you know what they teach is it's a you know when i say man-centered it's, it's a very man promoting kind of thing that when you die the man gets his own planet and that if the woman is good enough or nice enough to the man in this life, he may invite her to his planet. And there's also, like I said, they also took a, a scripture out of Timothy that says that women are only saved through childbearing. That's the reason why they have such huge families is because the women are trying to get favor with their husband. So hopefully that husband will say, you know what, you can come to my planet. I was joking around with my dad about this the other day, and I said, you know what? I said, the only planet they're going to have is actually encapsulated in fire um, because they're promoting another Jesus. There are also Jehovah's Witnesses that will go around and talking about Jesus, but they don't believe that Jesus um, was God or that he was, they don't believe that he was God, but that he was promoted to God or adopted as God because, you know, he has that, uh, and they just believe that Jesus basically was just a man. Islam, they believe that Jesus was a prophet, but they talk about Jesus in there. They talk about Jesus in the Quran, and then Buddhism, and just even those Christian churches. Remember, just because a church or a person says that they are a Christian does not mean that they are, in fact, a Christian. 
There's a lot of people in this country that don't, uh, they don't do anything as far as living their life or anything else, and they haven't you know, received Jesus Christ, but yet because their family or their friends have done it, they'll say, well, I'm a Christian too. Just because you live a moral life does not make you a believer in Christ. And that's one of the things I think we, uh, we need to realize, especially even in politics, because we'll even look at, well, this political party is moral, which that's almost an oxymoron. But the thing is, is that you look at a political party and say, well, they're moral, but they're, they're, they're ungodly. Just because a person is, unga- uh, you know, a party is moral does not make them godly. Because there's ones out there that will come out and they'll say, well, I'm moral in these areas, but in this area right over here, you need to leave that one alone. But in Second John, like I said, we saw separation. And that's the way uh, that, that it's going to look for us when we realize that separation actually takes you separately. It's going to take you in two different directions. I mean, you're going to go this way, and the world's going to go this way. When you want to follow Jesus, you're going to go this way, and the world's going to go that way. You need to separate from the world. And you say, well, it's kind of hard to separate from the world. Well, the thing is, is that when somebody asks you to go do something with them or say, hey, why don't you come to my synagogue with me or my mosque with me or why don't you go over to this party with me or anything else, you can separate by saying, it's a a difficult word sometimes, but you can say it's no. You can just separate by saying no. If you want to get really polite about it, say no, thank you. But you just say, or you just say no. And that's it. I mean, my daughter, even now, has no problem with saying the word no when she doesn't want to do something. Like clean her room, no. That's not an option given or anything. But anyways, so we need to, uh, we saw that separation needed to take place because of bad situations. And in Third John, we will see, we're going to see here in a moment, a similar need of separation. The truth is, yet again, it, uh, the truth is, yet again, uh, emphasized in 3 John, just as it was in First and Second John. And this is one of the things. I believe that the American church doesn't know what the truth is. And it's much like Pontius Pilate when he asked Jesus, what is truth? Truth nowadays is relative uh, to most people. They want their own truth. Well, that's good for you, but I'm going to believe my own thing. I know that you know, right now, if I were to ask that question, uh, ask how many of you ever heard that when you're talking to them about Jesus or whatever, probably almost every you know, hand in the room would go up if they've asked someone and just one person has, you know, uh, has said that. Well, that's good for you, but I believe something completely different. And that's the thing is, is that they want to take truth and twist it and make their own. That's how cults actually get started. If you look at a lot of the uh, different cults and everything else, it's along the, they'll take a scriptural principle and then twist it. Like Buddhism, they have the, the whole thing called, you know, Buddhism and a couple others you know, go along the lines with karma, and they'll actually believe, like, you reap what you sow. Well, that's in the Bible, isn't it? And so they'll take, they take that and they twist it, and then eventually, somehow or another, you become, um, if you're good enough, you can go to nirvana, but if you're not, then you become some sort of little gnat because they believe in reincarnation as well. And there's a whole bunch of those different things. So in the first four uh, verses of this epistle, or letter, that's all that word means. Epistle means letter. John is commending Gaius for his piety, which just means his devotion, his godliness, his holiness in living the Christian life, his, his hospitality, and his hospitality towards true preachers of the gospel. So let's look at verses 1 and 2 of Third John. It says this, The elder unto the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, 
Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. So when we look at this, the elder, the elder is, uh, yet again, it's referring to the Apostle John. He did it in Second John. He did it in First uh, John. He does it again. It says, well, beloved Gaius. Gaius is, let me tell you a little bit about him. He was the Apostle Paul's traveling companion as well. We see this in the book of Acts, in, uh, Acts chapter 19 and, and in 20. He's from Derby, which is a city in Galatia in Asia Minor. He was also one of the few who the Apostle Paul baptized. The Apostle Paul didn't baptize every single person you know, that he, he saw saved. If you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 1.14, it, it says that he was glad that he didn't baptize any of them except for Crispus and Gaius. So uh, Paul baptized two at that time, and that was it. Because everybody was arguing about the fact of, well, I'm more spiritual because Paul baptized me. And you got baptized by a no-name. So Paul said, you know, I'm glad that I didn't baptize any of you, except for these two, and that's it. And Gaius was one of them. And so he says, whom I love in the truth. As we saw before, truth is important. How many of you love to be lied to? Nobody does. Nobody wants to be lied to. He says, whom I love in the truth. What's the truth? The truth is God's word, the Bible. He says, whom I love in the truth. That means that this person is following what Jesus Christ um, taught in his word, what the word of God says. And he says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, in, even as thy soul prospers. Now, some can look at this and say, well, see right there, you know, this talks about prosperity, about financial stuff. There's, there's preachers out there that will begin to tell you that this means prosperity as far as financially. It does not. All it means is he's saying, you know what? I wish that you would prosper as much, you know, you're, you're spiritually prospering, and I wish that you would prosper as much in your health and in your life. That's all he is saying. But here's the, here's the problem. You know, he wants both of those things to happen, that they would both prosper and that they would grow in their relationship. But spiritually, we can get better, right? We can grow. We can, you know, we can grow in the Lord. But our bodies go the opposite direction as they get older. Right? That's why, you know, the Bible says, uh, Jesus says that, you know, you know, my spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Because as we get older and older, our bodies don't quite do, I mean, we tell ourselves we can do the same exact things that we used to do. But we can't do necessarily the same things that we used to do. And so that's, what he, that's all he is saying. He says, you know what, you're, you're, you're doing awesome in your walk with the Lord. I just wish that, you know, you're able to do that physically as well. Like your, your body and everything else was able to handle it as well as that. But we also know that it, it, profits, us, it, it profits us very little to do those things, you know, uh, physically. But spiritually, those are the things that are more important. Amen? Let's look at verses 3 and 4. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence... Oh, sorry. I went down one, uh, one spot here. Sorry. Uh, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. Even as thou walkest in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. I was getting ready to read to you Jude, and I'm not older in, in Jude, so... Um, but he says, I rejoiced greatly. Why? Because they're testifying of the fact that not only is it him that's, that's you know, doing awesome in his walk with the Lord, but also there are others that are walking in the truth as well as he is walking in the truth. And that he has no greater joy in hearing that his children walk in the truth. 
This is how John wants him to prosper. He wants him, again, like I said, to grow in his relationship with the Lord, to, to, to realize that truth is important. I think far too many times we rely upon other people telling us what the Bible says instead of us reading it for ourselves. We need to read the Bible for ourselves, and then here's the thing, that if we're listening to somebody that's going against what God's word goes, uh, uh, says, what do we need to do? We need to disregard what they're saying and follow what God's word says. But there are far too many saying, well, they're, they're a teacher on TV. They're a teacher over here. They're, they got you know, all these you know, uh, abbreviations after their name. They, they must know something. I don't care how many uh, abbreviations you have after, uh, after your name. If it's going against God's word, it's going against God's word, and you need to follow what God's word says instead of them. Amen? And so, and this is also, also how you make your pastor have joy and rejoice, that you are growing in the truth, that you are walking in the truth, that when I walk around, I'm like, you know what? I saw so-and-so the other day, man, they're just doing awesome in their walk with the Lord. That's what makes me happy, is when I see uh, members of, of, a con- of my congregation walking in the truth. That's what brings joy and excitement to me, is that when I see them, I'm like, man, they're just, they're doing really well. They're doing awesome. And, you know, and I'll tell you this, I'm like a I'm like a, a parent in the fact that I'm just like bragging on my kid. You know, I, I'll go around and, and I don't care, you know, if you're older than me, I'll brag on you like you're my kid. So David, I'll go around bragging on, you know, bragging on you like you're my kid. And so I said, David's just doing awesome out there. He's doing a great thing. You know, the Lord's using him in great ways and everything else. I'll be bragging. I'll be, have the biggest uh, smile on my face because I know that there are those that are walking in the truth, that are growing uh, in the truth. And that there's also a difference when we walk in the truth and that we live in the truth. And we need a real, sorry, there's a difference between live, uh, living the truth and living in the truth. Living the truth is simply you know the truth, but may not always agree with it, but you still follow it. There are some that will, they will live the truth. They know that, that this is the right way. They don't always agree with it, but they're like, this is the truth. I, I just got to do it. But if you're living in the truth, you know the truth, you live in the truth, and you agree with it without question, because why? It is the truth. You've experienced the truth. You know what it means to follow Jesus Christ. You've seen the benefits of following Jesus Christ. You know what God's word says. You said, you know what? I know that he has plans you know, what to do what? To prosper and not you know, bring harm to me. I know that I can follow you know, the Lord. Why? Because he has his you know, best intentions for me. I don't care if my life is all in shambles and going every place. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ because you know what? He's, he's truth. There's nothing else I can do because I just love him so much. And it never enters your mind that I'm going to try something different because, you know, this Christian thing doesn't quite, you know, think, uh, you know, isn't quite working out for you. All right? Let's look at verses 5 through 8. Beloved, you do faithfully whatsoever you do to the, uh, to the brethren and to uh, the strangers, which have bore witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou... Bring forward on their uh, journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for this, uh, for his namesake, they, will, uh, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. We see that not uh, further on, furthering down with Gaius that he's showing not only hospitality to believers in the Lord, but he's also showing it to strangers as well, that he doesn't just show hospitality to those he likes, but he's also showing it 
uh, to strangers that are coming along. He's showing them hospitality. And you know the reason why? Is because, you know, sometimes when you're hospitable to other people, that opens up even those, those hardened people that don't even want to talk to you about the Lord to them wanting to talk about the Lord. Now, for us, we shouldn't sit there and wait, like, 15, 20 years to tell somebody that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. We should be letting them know that we're a follower in Jesus Christ. You know, I think almost, I would say almost immediately. But I know that for some of us, we'll sit there, we'll tell someone, and they don't want anything to do with us. But that friendship, as they realize, you know, and they see that hospitality that you've been showing them for 10, 15, you know, whatever. Even though that it didn't happen at the beginning when you first told them, that seed's been planted. It may take a long time, you know, for it to grow. But then you might have that uh, opportunity uh, 15 years down the line instead of 15 down the years down the line they go, wait, you're a believer in Jesus? You're a Christian? It should never call, uh, there should not be a surprise to somebody that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. If they've known you for any period of time, they should know it. They should know that you're a believer in uh, Jesus Christ. When he is speaking of uh, taking nothing of the Gentiles, he's saying that they didn't take anything from outside of the church, you know, from those that are from outside of the church, but the church gave to meet the need where it was needed. When the pastor got up and he said, hey, we have a need, they said, you know what, let's get towards it. It's much like the fact of uh, thinking about this um, in, in the past you know, few weeks to a month. Now, if you've been here over here, you know, if you've been here every week for the past few weeks or a month, you realize that our piano has been faithful, but she's starting to give out on her faithfulness. And that's one of those things that if you ever sit there and say, you know what, I want to give so they can, you know, get a new piano. Because how many of you know that pianos are not cheap? And this is not in my sermon, so this is just coming out of nowhere. I'm just thinking of, I just know that it's been frustrate, uh, frustrating for the worship team when they're coming out there. They're in the middle, you know, of worship, and they're like, we got to quit because, not because we want to, but Old Faithful over there is not, uh, is not handling it anymore. And so I say that to say, you know what, if you want to put an offering in the uh, offering box, go right ahead. That's a little side note. But here's the thing, is that when we are fellow helpers, it says fellow helpers to the truth. What's it telling us at this moment? It says, when we partake of truth, we receive the good, re uh, the good reward. If we partake of truth, we are partakers of that truth, and we will be rewarded for that truth that we've put out there. It's much like the opposite of what was spoken in 2 John verse 11 when he said that when you participate in the deeds of, of those that are ungodly, you are a partaker of their evil deeds. And so he's saying on both sides, he says, if you partake in truth, you're going to receive, receive a good reward. If you partake of evil things, you're going to partake of what? Evil deeds, their, of their evil deeds. And so for some of us, on a more simple level, to, you, know, and, you know, think about this, you may hang around with somebody that is not necessarily, you know, the best of influences, and they may do something, and because you were with them at that moment, even though that you didn't do anything with them, all of a sudden the police begin to ask you a question. Why? Because you were there partaking, you know, with them as well. And you say, well, I've never done it. And they got to question you. Why? Because you were, part you were there with them. You were partaking while they were doing something. You didn't say something. And now the police have to ask you a question. Just like if you're going out and you're preaching the gospel with somebody else or you're just, you know what, as we talked about on Wednesday night, a silent partner, you're just there just to pray for the person while the other one's, you know, uh, preaching the gospel to someone. You are a partaker of the truth and you're going to receive the good reward of seeing that person come to know Jesus Christ. Amen?
And we see this, that Jesus speaks of this in Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, verse, uh, verses 40 through 42, it says, He that receiveth uh, you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous, man's, uh, a righteous man in the name of a, of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to, uh, give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. What is he telling us? He says that when a preacher uh, goes out there and he preaches the gospel and then you are helping along with that, uh, that person or a, it doesn't even say just a, you know, a preacher, it says a righteous man. That is a believer in Christ. So if we go out there, we participate and we receive that reward as well. Amen? Like I said, if we partake in evil deeds, we will reap those rewards. And likewise, if we partake in the truth, we will, uh, we will reap those good rewards as well. Like I said, uh, what are, so what are these good rewards? You can, go, like I said, go out and you share the gospel with someone. You're sharing the truth. You're leading people to Christ. And here's another one. Leading, or sorry, living a godly life when no one's watching you. Because it takes something a little bit different in you. I mean, everybody can sit there and get, you know, put on their nice, best dress clothes when they go to church and everything else and do the best that they possibly can. But it's a whole other situation when you're actually living a godly life when no one else is watching. When you have the opportunity to take something that's not yours and you say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because Christ doesn't want me to do that. You know, that's one of the things that we need to realize is that also, even though that we think that nobody is watching, if you are a parent, how many of you know that your children are always watching you, even when you think that they're not watching you? They are always watching you, and the thing is, is that we need to be a godly example at home, as well as in public, as well as in church. Amen? Verses 9 through 10. This is the reason, one of the reasons why he's writing this letter, is in these two verses. He says, I wrote unto the church, but Diophilus, who loveth uh, to have the preeminence among him, receive us, uh, receives us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he does, prating against uh, us with mal uh, malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither does he himself receive the brethren, and forbids them that would, and cast them out of the church. This man is a troublemaker. He was a troublemaker back then, he was one of the leaders in the church at that time. And we see that, obviously, in these first words about him, that he's not necessarily, he's not a good person. I mean, if you're going to be in the Bible, wouldn't you want something well to be written of you? He has two verses written about him, and they're not good. First part, he says, he says, who loves to have the, the preeminence among him and, and receives us not. Preeminence just means that he loves, he loved having the places of honor and being recognized. He felt he was feeling superiority with his leadership position. Some of you may know people like this. They may be, hopefully they're not in the church, but oftentimes that's where it is. A person gets in the spotlight, whether it is the pastor or deacon or some sort of leadership role, and they let it go to their head. They let it go to their head, and they want this, and they're just going. And then what ends up happening when they don't get their way? They throw a fit. And this is what what is happening with him. And so there are some people that believe in him to be a deacon or a pastor or just have the, that leadership position. But we could tell from the words written by John that he was nothing more 
because, uh, nothing more than a false teacher or false prophet. That he got out there, he, all he wanted was the accolades. This is one of the reasons why, if you're ever wondering why I have issues with like TV preachers, because oftentimes it's like all about them. They just love the spotlight. What does it mean prating against us with malicious words and not content? That word prating this was, means talking much on a trifling su- uh, subject, talking much, or to talk much without weight or to have little purpose. How many of you know that just seem, they just seem to talk just to talk? I mean, there are people out there that will talk about absolutely nothing and have very little purpose, and yet this one, it says, with a trifling subject. This man did not like the Apostle John. He didn't like those that came, the brethren around him. He didn't like those ones. So he said, you know what, I'm going to just start talking about them. And basically there was no, there was no backing to even do it. And it also says with malicious content, which is harboring ill will or enmity without provocation. He had no purpose. There was no reason for him to, but he says, you know what, I'm going to start speaking these things horribly about, about you know, John and the others because I don't like them. They're taking away the spotlight from me. I don't like that. That's why I would say this man was a false teacher or false prophet because of the fact that he goes and he goes, um, that he has these issues with him. He was, I believe that he was bitter at John and, uh, and the others and the other disciples that came, and he was, he was prideful and insecure. If you have a person that's prideful, uh, bitter, and insecure, that is a dangerous combination, especially when you're in a leadership position, especially in the church. If you have a person that's bitter at somebody, prideful, and insecure, that is a dangerous combination. And we see what he is doing here. He is actually kicking believers out of the church for no reason at all. It got to that point where they were probably, you know, contesting against him, saying, you're wrong about John, the apostle. I mean, can you imagine having a problem with the, with the disciple whom Jesus loved? I mean, the one that's supposed, you know, that was right there, with you, and you have a problem with him? I mean, he's kicking out people for no reason, and the thing is, is that it sounds like he doesn't even want to listen to what John has to say. It's probably out of jealousy for John, and he is more interested in, in keeping his position of being a leader than for taking care of those that he was entrusted to. People like this only care about themselves, their ministry, or their church. And you see, the spotlight was no longer on him. Everything is about them. It's not about winning souls. It's not about bringing people to Jesus Christ. It's not about worshiping the Lord. It's not about being a light in the community. It's about how does this look for me? If it doesn't look good for me, then I don't want anything to do do with it. And that's his mindset that he has. That's the attitude that he has, that it's all about me. I don't care, you know, whether or not so-and-so gets saved. Is it going to help me out financially? Is it going to help me look better to, you know, the people around? Am I going to get, you know, the good, the good seats, you know, at the mayor's banquet? Am I going to get, you know, the best seats at the baseball game because do they know who I am? I've actually met people that have said, do you not know who I am? And in my mind, I go, I, I don't know who you are and I really don't care. I don't care. The funny thing is, is that when we were, what was it, about uh, six months ago over at the firefighters 
uh, or the fire department, they had one of the, uh, was it a senator that he was there? One of the senators that was there. We're sitting over there, my daughter's running over and everything else. We had no idea who the senator was because that senator was not going around saying, hey, I'm a senator. Look at me. This party's about me and not about you. No, the senator was over there in overalls and a T-shirt because he had just got out from the field and he was going around just hanging around with the kids. That's a person that I would like to vote for as far as politically, somebody that doesn't care about the title that's in front of their name but only realizes that, hey, you're a person just like me. Let's, let's do life together. Amen? And that's, uh, that's who this person was. If you want to know who it was, I'm not going to try and you know, uh, you know, push anybody uh, you know, this morning, but I can tell you who it was a little bit later. So what are believers supposed to do with somebody like this? Uh, what is somebody supposed to do with that? They are supposed to kick them out of the church. They're supposed to kick that person who, has, who wants all the spotlight, who wants the preeminence, who wants all the things. You're supposed to kick them out of the church and let the, wor- uh, the Lord work in them. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 3 through 6. It says, For verily, as absent in body, but, uh, but present in spirit, have judged, or, uh, have judged already as though I were present, concerning him that hath so done this deed, in the name of the, uh, the, our Lord Jesus Christ, whom ye are uh, gathered together, and my spirit, with the, uh, the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan, for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. He says to kick him out. Why? He basically handed him over to Satan, hoping that maybe that when he does this, when he kicks him out of the church, that maybe he'll, he'll look internally and say, you know what? It's me that's the problem and not the Apostle John. It's me that's the problem and not the congregation. It's me that's the problem and not all the people around me. The problem is, is that we have some people that, are, that have this air, uh, air about them you know, so much in the world that the thing is, is that they don't understand it when nobody else wants to hang around uh, with them anymore. Because they've made it all about themselves, and then so when nobody else is around, they have the idea of, well, I didn't need them anyways. And they'll still keep going. But what he's saying is basically kick him out of the church. Though he'll actually look inside of himself and say, you know what? It's me. I'm the problem. And hopefully he'll come back. And you know, he'll come back uh, to the truth and follow the Lord Jesus Christ and say, you know what? I'm sorry. And that restoration process can happen. He also, it, it, the reason why it is said in verse 11 of 3 John, it says, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, and he that doeth evil has not seen God. He says, you know what? Even though that he's done all these things, still follow good. Don't follow the evil that he's been doing. Follow what's good. Follow the Lord because you know what? You've seen the Lord. You continue in that. You are saved. You love the Lord. He's got issues. Don't take it out on him. Or, you know, don't follow you know, what he's been doing and teaching, but follow the Lord. And like I say, you want them out of the church. You say, well, this is not really a a happy-go-lucky message. But in order to walk in the truth, you have to get out the leaven. You can't have the leaven in there you know, when the same person, because that same person is going to be in the church and causing uh, more harm through false teaching, through, through their attitudes and everything else. You need the person out of the church until they can, uh, they can admit where they were wrong and, and admit that they've 
that they've done wrong, and they come back with a repentant heart. So that's what you want. You want that person that has been arrogant and prideful and all those things. You want them out of the church so that way they can cause no more harm. And I know this is something you say, well, would you kick somebody out of the church? Yes, if they were causing a problem like this, yes. Why? Because it's biblical. Because the Bible says that if you, if you do this, hopefully they'll come back with a repentant heart, seeking forgiveness and restoration. And we, we know that this is this way because in verse 14, John says that he's not going to write anymore with ink and pen, but that he's going to come to them face to face. Being a leader in the church is not for sissies. Because you have to, you cannot be one of those leaders that doesn't like confrontation. I don't like confrontation, but I won't back down from it. I'm not going to sit there and just go find confrontation. We are like, oh, I want to fight with you because I have nothing else better to do. But if the opportunity arises, you have to be willing to say, you know what? I don't necessarily like to have to do this. But for the betterment of the church, the betterment of the congregation, it needs to happen. We need to be like Gaius. We need to be a fellow helper in the Lord. We, we need to be willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. He was actually, in Acts chapter 20, he was actually, uh, he was actually taken to prison and beaten in, uh, in Acts chapter 20. So we need to be willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. We need to be hospitable. And most importantly, we need to be someone who loves the truth of God's word. This is not a popular thing to, you know, to talk about. Nobody likes to talk about you know, the possibility of having to kick somebody out of church because of their attitudes or what they're doing or the fact of saying, you know what, you know, uh, if somebody believes differently, the Bible says not to even you know, invite them into our house. Here's the, I want to make, uh, make this distinction you know, here at the moment. You can talk to somebody who believes in a false religion because how are you going to get them saved? If you don't talk to them, right? It's the fact of you inviting them in and saying, I want to talk to you. Like, if they come to your door, you can just slam the door in their, in their face. Because they're coming there to, you know, to preach their false gospel. But if you're going to their door and you're saying, I want to tell you about Jesus, they're obviously going to believe something different. It's the matter of perspective on what side of the door you're on. Because I know that uh, for some of you, I've talked to you. And you said that, you know, this person came to my door and they started to want to tell me about this false, you know, whatever, and you close the door in their face. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a matter of perspective. When that person wants to bring their false religion to your house, you don't invite them in. You don't say, okay, let's sit down and talk about this. But here's the thing. When you go to their door, you're there on your terms. And you can sit there and you can share the gospel with them. And hopefully, they'll come out of that false religion and that false belief. Amen? So that's what we need to realize. We need to walk in the truth. We need to, uh, sometimes we need to separate from those that are causing division, causing those problems. And not all division is a bad thing. There's gonna be, uh, there is going to be a division. Sometimes you need to divide for a good thing, like what he's talking about here. If a person is uh, preaching false religion, you need to separate. All right, let's pray.